a dose of deception with the queens of queens, Shannon and Emily. In our podcast, we'll be discussing murders, missing persons cases, mysteries, and a whole lot of conspiracy theories. So stay tuned for the wild ride. Hey queens, welcome back to Dose of Deception. We are up to episode 11. We're very excited to talk to everybody today. Before we get into it, like usual, I just want to promote our other social media accounts. Our Instagram is at Dose of Deception, and we also have a Facebook group that is also at Dose of Deception. Also, before we get started today, for any new listeners that might be out there, we just want to kind of explain what each of our episodes look like. So each week, Emily brings a either a missing person case or a unsolved murder and things like that. And we discuss that. And then in the second half, uh, I bring a conspiracy theory that I like and that me and Emily will discuss about and kind of theorize about. So with all that being said, we're going to start it off with Emily. Yeah, so this week we're going to start off with a missing persons case. And that is uh, Brandon Lawson. Okay. I'm not sure if you've heard of him, had you? Have you? No. Okay. <laughs> See, a lot of people haven't. Okay. And I, before I get into it, um, I just want to say um, the reason why a lot of people haven't heard of him is because he was in and out of jail for drugs. Mm-hmm. At the time of his disappearance, he might have been um, on drugs. Okay. However, he was getting his life back together, and he had been sober for a few years leading up to it. Mm-hmm. And just because somebody's on drugs doesn't make their disappearance any less important. And I've yeah. noticed that a lot of comments say that it doesn't matter if he's found, or even mm-hmm. by law enforcement, they're not really trying as much or giving yeah. the family respect. Mm. And that's really messed up, because when you think about it, one in, like, nine or ten people are addicted to drugs yeah so somebody that you love somebody that you know yeah is struggling with the same things and i think it's really messed up to just you know yeah. say whatever he just you shouldn't want be found. them found yeah mm. so that's just what i wanted to say before we start yeah because doing research there's been a lot of disrespectful comments on mm. this this guy okay all right so let's get into it <laughs> so brandon lawson was a 26 year old when he disappeared okay on so he was last seen on august 8th 2013 so recent yeah, recent, like seven years. Mm-hmm. He was officially declared a missing persons on <laughs> August 9th, 2013. Okay. Now, there are, the timelines for this is really um, confusing. Okay. Because technically, uh, people didn't really see him. Well, people saw him before he disappeared, but in his final, you know, mo- I don't know if he passed away or anything, mm-hmm. they didn't find a body, mm-hmm. but in his final phone calls, that's all they had to go on, is just phone calls. Oh, so, okay. yeah, nobody actually physically saw him. Um, it was just a lot of back and forth. He was calling his wife, his brother, but I'll get into that. Okay. So the timeline is really confusing. I'm going to do my the best I can. I tried to work through it. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. Brandon was 26 at the time of his disappearance, and he was an oil field worker who lived in San Angelo, Texas. Okay. He had four children, three of which were with his current girlfriend named Ladessa Lofton. I now, love that name. What? I love that name. Yeah, that such a beautiful name. <laughs> no, I was like, Ladessa? Oh, man. <laughs> now, the two people who were the last to speak to Brandon are the ones trying to keep his case alive, and that's Ladessa, his girlfriend, and his brother Kyle. So he's also a main um, component in this case, Kyle. Mm-hmm. They were brothers, and they were best friends. Okay. So he, they were super close. So both Ladessa and Kyle deny that Brandon would ever go missing on purpose. Because that's kind of how law enforcement is trying to make it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he just ran away in seven years. Nobody even yeah. had a trace of him. Um, now, at the time he went missing, Brandon had on a yellow shirt, green camouflage shorts, and white 2013 Air Max sneakers. Mm. Just in case it's helpful. I mean, that's what he was wearing. Uh-huh. So let's get into his disappearance a little more, because this is wacky. This is like, this case is going to keep you up at night, not because it's scary or anything like that, mm. but because there's just no theory that makes sense to me. Mm. Okay. 
So during the evening hours of August um, 8th, 2013, Brandon and Ladessa got into an argument and Brandon ended up calling his father and decided to drive from their home to his father's place, which was in Crowley, Texas. Now, that was at 11.53 p.m. that he sets out in his own home and decides to drive to Crowley. Is that how you say that? Crowley? Crowley. I don't know. It's C-R-O-W-L-I. If we have any listeners <clears throat> from Crowley, Texas, I'm so I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> <laughs> so this drive would take Brandon about three and a half hours. Um, but unfortunately, he would never make it to his father's house. Mm. Only a few minutes after Brandon left the house, Ladessa called him and asked Brandon to return home because it was so late. So it was already almost midnight. Uh, and she suggests that he either just drive it off for a few hours, you know, because they, they were angry with each other. But it wasn't anything that had to, that he had to drive three and a half hours. Apparently, yeah. that's like how what she says. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also suggested that he sleep by his brother Kyle's house that night because Kyle lived only five miles down the road. Oh, okay. So he'd be able to get there in like yeah, a few minutes. Yeah, it makes more sense to go to him than dad. So this was at 12 a.m. So he leaves 11.53. Seven minutes later, Ladessa calls him and she just says, just come home. Like, there's no point in this. Uh-huh. Interestingly, Brandon began... Now, I'm not sure about the highways in Texas, but I looked at Google Maps and I tried to figure that out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um... So interestingly, he began driving north of high on Highway 277 instead of east on Highway 67, which he was supposed to um, drive there. She was supposed to drive east on Highway 67 in order to get to his father's house fastest. Okay, okay. But he drives like a different direction. So nobody knows if he possibly changed direction because he um, listened to his wife. He was going to maybe drive around like aimlessly yeah. for a few hours and then come back home and stay by either Kyle's house or just go back to his wife. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, that made sense. Or some people think he might have been taking a longer route to get to his father's house, which included more back roads to avoid the police mm-hmm. because Brandon did have a warrant for his arrest um, for drugs. However, his father does not believe that the charge was enough to make Brandon change direction like that. Okay. So it didn't... I don't know. Nobody in his immediate family believes that he was... I mean, he didn't want the police, obviously, to yeah. see him. But he... Nobody believed that that's why he changed direction. Yeah. I mean, both make sense to me. Yeah. Like, both are believable. It's not suspicious that he would have went that different way. Yeah. However, it was a super... Like, it added a lot of time to... Um, the ride. The ride. So, yeah. I don't know. Maybe he was just going to drive around... I mean, if I was angry fighting with my spouse... Yeah, that makes sense. I, I wouldn't think about where I was driving. Yeah, and she did suggest it. She was like, just drive around a little bit. So it would make yeah. sense if he just did that. So about 30 minutes into his journey, Brandon realized that his truck was almost out of gas and attempted to drive to a Stripes convenience store gas station, which was in Bront. <laughs> I'm sorry again for Texas people. I think that was right. Bront? Okay. Yeah. So it was in Bront, Texas. His abandoned car was found on the side of Highway 277, only a quarter mile from the rest stop that he was going to go to. Okay. Now, Ladessa called Kyle after Brandon left and told Kyle that she was concerned. Kyle decided to check on Ladessa and the children, and he arrived at their house at 12, 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. So think about the timeline. She calls Brandon at 12. I guess she just felt like something, maybe he wasn't in the right state of mind. Mm-hmm. So 12, 10, Kyle comes over, he checks on him. Everything's fine. About 45 minutes after Brandon departed from his home, he calls Kyle and he tells him that his car ran out of gas on Highway 277 in Bront and that he was stuck there. Mm. Now, this call was made at 12.38 a.m. So, like they said, about 45 minutes into his drive. Maybe he was just in a rush and didn't realize that his gas was low. Yeah. Started driving. Obviously, he couldn't go any further. 
So he calls Kyle, and Kyle distinctly remembers Brandon saying, I'm 10 minutes up the road, just hurry up and get here. So he thought it was going to be an easy fix. Mm-hmm. Just go on the highway, um, <clears throat> drive a little, find Brandon's car, help him out, and then bring Brandon home. Yeah. And everything was going to be normal, right? Now, Kyle phones Ladessa at 12.40 a.m. to tell her that Brandon ran out of gas, and she realizes that she had two missed calls from Brandon at 12.34 a.m. and 12.36 a.m. Okay. So Brandon calls Ladessa back-to-back. She doesn't answer. And so Kyle eventually calls her, tells her he's going to go help Brandon, and Ladessa says she's going to leave a gas can on the front porch of their house before showering and laying down for the night. And Kyle drives to Ladessa's house first. Mm-hmm. Then, so it's kind of confusing. He goes to the house to pick up the gas can. Mm-hmm. Then he was planning on going to um, Brandon first mm-hmm. with the gas can, picking up money, and then going to the gas station. Okay, makes sense. And then returning. It's kind of confusing. Yeah, but it makes sense. It makes sense, yeah. Before showering and laying down, Ladessa put her phone in the van to charge because she didn't have a working indoor charger. So this is when she missed a third call um, from Brandon, which was at 1248 a.m. So he, she was really, he was really trying to get in touch with her yeah. for some reason unknown. I mean, we'll find out shortly. Okay. Um, or not really. I mean, this case doesn't make sense. Okay. But it's kind of weird to me. I feel bad for her because she also is getting a lot of hate um, <clears throat> from people, which I don't think she had anything to do with it. But, you know, they're saying, why would you um, leave your phone? Like, like, why would you just put your phone in the car and not think and, like, go to sleep? This might have happened before where he just needed to cool off. Yeah. You know? They, well, they just had an argument. If he has a tendency, like you said, of driving things off and yeah. just, like, leaving when there is an argument, it wouldn't have been that weird of an occurrence to her. I mean, if, she, if her phone is about to die and mm-hmm. she has to charge it to receive his phone calls in the first place and he has to go charge it yeah and then also i don't know to me if she trusts the brother and it seems like all of them have a close relationship the brother is his best friend i would trust him to be able to go find him on his yeah. own you know what i mean yeah exactly i just think people should leave her alone yeah i mean i definitely like she because she probably thinks about how she misses on phone calls all the time so there's no need to like add on to that guilt that she probably already has exactly so Kyle, the reason why he had to go to Brandon first before the gas is because his recent paycheck that he um, got didn't go through yet. Mm. So he didn't want, you know, spend money on the gas. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's the whole plan that was supposed to happen. It was supposed to go smoothly and Brandon was supposed to get right back home. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, when Kyle and his wife, Audrey, arrived at Brandon's truck, Brandon had seemingly abandoned it and was nowhere to be found. So let's talk about this phone call. So he does call 911 at 1254 a.m. So he calls his brother at 12.38, tells him he needs help. So that happened in the span when you really think about it. Um, from when he calls his brother, whatever caused Brandon to call 911 happened in the span of 15 to 20 minutes. Mm. Which is kind of weird, like, especially on the highway. Yeah. Um, I don't know this location in Texas as well, Bront, but from what I've read, it's not busy at all, especially at night. There's yeah. like one car every however many minutes that passes by. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of strange to me that between just 15 minutes something crazy could happen like that so um i will play the call after we'll get into it because it's crazy but i just want to continue with what else happened Mm -hmm. that night and then we'll get into the call okay now what's really frustrating is that brandon's name and his location was never taken down by the 911 operator so they just no they talked to him for like two minutes okay and they never ask him his name and never ask him like to give him his location i don't know if they could have tracked it 
I mean, I'm assuming they could have, but he had, like, no really, no good signal, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you could say that they could have tracked his phone, but if there was bad signal, yeah, then they might not have been able to do that. And also, I just feel like people, like, when you call 911, one of the first things they say is, okay, where are you? Those are the first two <laughs> things. What's your name and where are you? Yeah. Get that down so that you can go help them. Yeah. I find that really strange. That's very strange. Now, only... So, Brandon calls the police at 12.54 a.m. Okay. Only four minutes later, at 12.58 a.m., a motorist passing by Brandon's location called the police because Brandon's truck was blocking half of the highway. Mm. So, he was, like, kind of sideways. And since it was dark and late, he didn't want, you know, any accidents to happen if people didn't see the car. And so, that is the only reason why the police came, was because the motorist called. That's crazy. After they hung up, they kind of just forgot Brandon even called. Why? That doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't. Like, you should still go help him. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. And it was only four minutes later, which is also weird, because what, what happened in four minutes that he was yeah. gone from the truck? Mm. So at 1.10 a.m., Kyle arrives on the scene to find Brandon missing. And now, at the same time that Kyle and his wife arrive, Deputy Neal from the Coke County Sheriff's Office responds and arrives at Brandon's truck. So it's the same time, right? One ten a.m. Mm-hmm. Now, when you think about it, he calls the police twelve fifty four. Literally, like fifteen minutes after that, they arrive on scene. Brandon's nowhere to be found. The three of them observed Brandon's truck and concluded that no damage had been done to it. So Brandon did not get into an accident of any sort. Mm-hmm. They did, however, find that Brandon left the car in a swift, hurried manner and did not lock any of the car doors when he left. Mm. Now, I watched interviews with Kyle. And he said that his brother would never leave the doors unlocked unless he was, like, fleeing. Like, unless there was something yeah. imminent danger happening. Mm-hmm. So he was worried at first. Um, now, Brandon's keys, wallet, and cell phone were also um, not found in the truck. So it indicated that he took them with him. He might have just had them in his pocket already, though. Mm-hmm. And when he ran, he just took them with him. And, yeah, that's pretty much all he took. His car was nothing, no damage to it, no blood in it, nothing like that. Mm. So he really just up and left, like... Up and left, yeah. Hmm. Now, 10 minutes after, or actually 8 minutes after they arrived on the scene, at 1.18 a.m., Kyle's um, girlfriend, wife, I'm not sure, um, Audrey, she receives a phone call from Brandon in which he states that he is bleeding. Now, there was no context to it. He didn't say, I was stabbed. He didn't say, I just fell. Like, there was no... We don't know what he meant by he was bleeding, like, if it was severe or what. It's very weird. However, um, his brother... Kyle did say that if he had been stabbed or shot or something, he would just come out and say that. The fact that he said he's bleeding, he thought he might have gotten cut somehow. Yeah. Maybe by a fence running. If he was running, he fell over something. That makes sense to me, because if he was, like, attacked, you would have said how you were, you know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. So, interestingly, this part creeped me out. So, Brandon seemed to be able to see the officer, Audrey, and Kyle from wherever he was hiding because he told Kyle to stop talking with the deputy and he was saying other things that only hit like only having direct eyesight Mm. he could see like even I watched the interview with Kyle and he was like saying oh yeah my brother said he could see us looking at the car like he saw what we were doing Mm. but we couldn't see or hear him isn't that weird? weird that means he was close by yeah it's weird but it does make sense a little bit just because if he has a warrant. The warrant, yeah. yeah. He needs to hide from him. But he's also the one that called 911 in the first place, technically. That's what I was thinking. Because, okay, they were saying, yeah, he's hiding because of the warrant. But that doesn't make sense to me. Because, like you said, he does call 911. And if he was in such a state of panic, and obviously he was hurt of some yeah. sort, to call 911, you'd think he would just come out for and ask for help. Yeah. 
Um, people were also saying, did they hear him? Because they couldn't see him. He might have just been hiding, like, mm-hmm. in a bush or a tree. Which is so creepy to me because he was so easily could have been found. Yeah. If he could see them. But they said they couldn't hear him talking. And also, Kyle said he usually had his phone on ring and he couldn't hear that. Mm. So, I mean, he could have just silenced it. But... Why didn't he come out and ask for help? If he yeah. was if he was going to call nine one one, then you knew the cops were going to come anyway, so you knew they might get you on the warrant. Yeah. But if it was serious enough for you to call them in the first place, then it was serious enough, you know. Yeah, but isn't that creepy? He could see them. Yeah, very. Now during this time, Ladessa also continued to miss phone calls from Brandon, mm. so he's clearly trying to get in touch with um his girlfriend. And at three a.m., Brandon's phone around three a.m. They don't know the exact time, but that's what they figured out his phone was either shut off or it lost battery power and then it was just going straight to voicemail Mm. so up until 3 a.m um if you called him you know it rang whatever it died i'm assuming or broke if he dropped it or something Mm -hmm. um around 3 a.m deputy neil left brandon's car on the highway turned on its hazard lights locked its doors and he told a tow truck company to come take the car if it was still there at 8 Mm a.m so which it was still there it wasn't touched um, since Brandon had the warrant out for his arrest, Kyle, and as well as the officer, thought that he might have been just hiding because of that. And so they left the car and they said, okay, he'll come back for it if he is hiding. Mm-hmm. That's their thought process. However, the next morning, Brandon's car remained untouched with no sign of Brandon around. After Ladessa's phone finished charging around 4.30, she became very worried and got in touch with Kyle. At 7 a.m., once Kyle's paycheck finally processed, he went back to Brandon's car to fill the gas tank. Or the gas can, I'm sorry. But he was very nervous because he found that the car was still untouched. uh, Especially because Brandon told Audrey that he was bleeding in the phone call. Mm -hmm. So Kyle started getting extra worried with that. Yeah. Now, since the law enforcement wasn't necessarily the best with the family, um, Ladessa decided to hire a private search plane to look for Brandon. But this turned up no sign of the 26-year-old. She also created a Facebook page called Help Find Brandon Lawson, which is still around today. Um, I'm part of it. <laughs> of course. Uh, if you want to check it out, it still is on Facebook. Kyle and Ladessa, along with many of Brandon's loved ones, organized search parties for the next few weeks in hopes of bringing Brandon home. Now, about a week after Brandon's disappearance, law enforcement agencies conducted an aerial search for Brandon, and this was on August 16th, 2013. Mm-hmm. Later, on August 29th, authorities searched over 2,500 acres of land, which turned up absolutely nothing. Now, this baffles me because, okay, maybe he doesn't turn up a body. However, like he said in the thing, he was bleeding. You'd think maybe you'd find a piece of clothing mm-hmm. or a wallet, phone, anything. Anything that was in his wallet. I mean... I feel like they could have found something about this guy. I don't know. If I'm, he had died in the woods. It's believable that they wouldn't have found anything to me. Even if he died in the woods? I don't... Like, what if he... I'm saying, what if he passed away? I, he's still a well, missing yeah. person. Yeah. I would say if he had passed away, then it would make sense for them to find something. Mm-hmm. But if he was just, at this point, just a random... Like, missing Missing, still, yeah. Then I don't think it would have been that weird. And he... Since he didn't explain what caused him to be bleeding, it could be a major injury. It could be a minor injury. So you don't really know if there would have been traces of blood or anything like that around. Yeah. So after a few months of searching, a final search for Brandon was conducted on October 24th, 2013. So they did do many searches and found nothing. Um, Strangely, human cadaver dogs found no sign of Brandon's body, which is puzzling because many people assumed Brandon had died either naturally or at the hands of another person. Mm -hmm. Because after he went missing, 
on this on um, August 9th. Mm-hmm. None of his bank cards were touched. His phone was never touched again. You'd think he would either take out all his money, even if he wasn't going to use the cards again. Yeah. Nothing was touched, so people assumed that he had passed away. However, human cadaver dogs found no like sense for him, mm. which is crazy to me. I mean, he could have gotten far before something happened to him. But yeah, but they did search 2,500 acres. I mean... That's a lot. That is a lot, unless he got in a car or something. Yeah. Now I want to get to the 911 call, which he made at 12.54 a.m. So I'm going to play the 911 call. However, Brandon has a southern accent. It's kind of hard to understand, especially because there was such bad signal where mm-hmm. he was. It's very, like, in and out. Mm. Um, he also sounds very out of breath because he was running. I'm assuming he was running. Okay. If he... If he Made it, you know, if everything happened in the span of, like, ten minutes, I'm assuming he was running. He is out of breath. Um, He also sounds scared. So his speech is pretty jumbled up. So I will play it, but afterwards I'm going to explain what people think he's saying. Because there is no transcript for it. Like, official mm. one. Mm-hmm. This is just people listening, and there's, like, 20 different versions of it. Mm. Because it's so hard to understand. So afterwards I'm going to say what I think he said, and try to clarify as much confusion as I can. Nine, two thousand, thirteen, zero, fifty, and thirty-eight seconds. Nine one one emergency. Yes, I'm in the middle of the field. The safe. We're just cruising guys over. Right here, going towards Javelin on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. You gotta take the to the woods. Three turns. Okay, now run that by me. One more night, Papa Joe. Hi, show you ready, Joe. Ah, you ran into him. Okay. That's the first guy. Do you need an ambulance? No, I need the cops. Okay. Is anybody hurt? Hello? 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 Okay, so obviously that was very difficult to understand. (laughs) Um, However... There is some things that I noticed and other people noticed that mm-hmm. stood out. So the first thing is that Brandon never hangs up the call. So he, they're assuming that he put his phone in his pocket or dropped it and ran. So they assumed he was definitely being chased by somebody. Also, the 911 operator kind of validates it when she says, oh, you ran into them. So initially people thought he ran into somebody maybe with his car. However, since his car showed no signs of damage, I believe he meant he ran into people while he was walking along the highway I don't know what happened there, but that's what he was referring to. So the 911 um, operator kind of validates that he wasn't alone. And he definitely, it's kind of hard to hear in this clip, but this was the clearest one I could find. He definitely refers to somebody as the first guy. So basically, after the operator says, oh, you ran into them, there's a pot, there's a noise that you hear in the background, which kind of sounds like a gunshot, which is what people believe it is. Uh, and then he says, that's the first guy. So it showed, I mean, there's definitely at least two other guys, I'm assuming, right? Mm-hmm. That's, like, pretty much what people got out of it. They also, the fact that Brandon says we the whole time, he refers, he, he said, like, we are doing this. So, I mean, he definitely wasn't alone. He did. I literally did not understand anything <laughs> No, it, it, it's hard to understand what I'm saying. It's the, it's the bad signal on the accent. It's so hard to yeah. understand. But people do believe that they hear a second voice in the background of the call because when the operator asks, do you need an ambulance? You hear a voice. I don't know if it's Brandon, but it's lower. It says, mm-hmm. yeah. And then Brandon says, no, I need the cops. Mm. So they're thinking somebody else was there that was hurt. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. Um, people also believe that they hear three gunshots in the background, which you can hear if you listen closely. You're going to have to listen 
probably like look into it and listen to it because it's so hard to hear unless you really listen closely. However, Kyle, um, I, I, the interview that I listened to at Kyle, mm-hmm. believes that that was Brandon's vehicle going over the seams of the bridge on the Colorado River, not gunshots, because he said that it kind of sounded like the bridge was buckling. Mm. Of course, it was really hard to hear, so it could have been either. But the fact that the timing doesn't really make sense there, I believe he was out of the vehicle by this time. Mm-hmm. So I'm not completely sure what it was. But Kyle says that when he goes over that bridge, it's what it sounds like. Yeah. So, I mean, he would know better than us. We don't live there. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if the timing makes sense with that. What we do know is that Brandon said they chased him into the woods in the beginning. I know you don't hear that. <laughs> but, um, however, no other vehicle or people were found, mm. which is weird. Like, nobody's walking on the highway. If they chased him into the woods, they had to get out of the car, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, he also says something along the lines of, the, they shot the first guy now. It's, I believe he just said that's the first guy, but it was right after it sounds like a gunshot. Mm-hmm. So it kind of indicates this probably was a group of people that chased him or he was with other people when he got chased. And this leads me to believe that Brandon was taken somewhere else because his body was never found. Mm. So even if he was killed, I believe he was killed somewhere he wasn't else. there, yeah. yeah. Now, in the beginning of the call, right? This is, me and Shannon just listened to it slowly mm-hmm. and tried to make it out because <laughs> it was so hard to hear. Um, he does say something along a lo- the lines of, it sounds like he says staper. People think he was trying to say state trooper and he was just like okay. in panic, mm-hmm. whatever. But also his brother Kyle said he would never call an officer a state trooper. Yeah. So I don't know what was going on there. Yeah. But he does say something that sounds like that. And he says he pulled some guys over. And then they chased him into the woods. So he said there's one vehicle here or See, something. I feel like I heard him say something about gas. Gas? <laughs> yeah. He says that. Oh, like he ran out of gas? And he yeah. Was, maybe he ran out of gas. Maybe that's why he was saying. And then he pulled over. Yeah. And then I can't explain to you after that. No, yeah, but he does say <laughs> in the maybe beginning. maybe it's that he pulled over and not that somebody else got pulled over. No, he does say that, though. He says he pulled some guys over. Oh. Right in the beginning. He definitely says maybe that. Maybe I heard... Yeah, you're probably right. No, no, no. He he 100% says someone pulled some guys over. Okay. But why would he even have anything involved with that? You know what I mean? Unless maybe the guys that got pulled over, like, shot somebody. Maybe they shot... I don't know, though. You'd hear about that, though. Yeah, they definitely didn't shoot the state trooper or cop or anything like that. I don't know. Now, you also heard this, because we listened to it very slowly. Um... Okay, so you hear somebody, you hear a second voice, definitely. A hundred percent there's a second voice. Second voice, right? Yes. You hear, um, when the the lady says, oh, you ran into them, before you hear the first gunshot, what people think, somebody says, protect yourself. You heard that? Yeah. Okay. Am I going crazy? I heard the protect yourself, and I heard the him say again... Guy got shot? Guy got shot. Yeah. So he goes, that's the first guy, and then you hear kind of a gunshot. Yeah, and she's talking a little bit when she's like... Oh, so you ran into him or whatever that part was. And he said, you hear another noise. Because you can hear the noises in the back. Yeah. Very low and you can't really guarantee that it's a gunshot. But I do think he said, guy got shot. Yeah, he says, guy got shot, definitely. I mean, not definitely, but it sounds like that. And yeah. also you definitely hear the second voice, whether he said protect yourself. Yeah. I think he did. A hundred percent you at least know that he's not alone. Yeah. So that's <laughs> basically, I mean, it's very hard to hear. You're going to have to listen very slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can get into some of the theories now. Alright, so the first theory that people have relates back to the state trooper conspiracy. So some people believe that they hear Brandon saying state trooper in the beginning of the 911 call. So after his truck broke down, possibly maybe he witnessed an officer pull over another group of people. And somehow there was an altercation that turned violent on whether it was on the officer's part or on the part of the people in the car. Mm -hmm. And... 
Uh, maybe the officer chased somebody into the woods, shot them. That's, I mean, this is just theories. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon could maybe have been walking along the highway looking for help after okay. his car broke down when he saw that this happened. And maybe he was calling the police, I don't know, on behalf of someone getting shot. I don't know. However, this is a massive cover-up. Uh, if you think about it, if an officer shot someone, yeah. that would have to be a massive cover-up. And there probably would be a lot of loose ends mm-hmm. that would eventually be exposed. Um, however... The fact that the 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 loose the loose ends in this one is that he did say he was bleeding, so no matter what, he was hurt. Yeah. Like even if he got hurt running through the woods, I mean, if I saw somebody run into the woods and get shot, I'd probably call nine one one from my car. Yeah. And I wouldn't run after them. Yeah. Right. And if. And that's just big. Like that's too big a cover up for yeah, nobody to find out. One hundred percent. And it, it, to me, anything with involving a shooting becomes a little more questionable because if anybody got shot whether it involve a state trooper or not people wouldn't hear about it yeah so it's like i don't but he did say guy got shot he said guy got shot (laughs) i mean it could have i think he said guy got shot exactly it could have been something else yeah but it did sound an awful lot like he said the guy got shot yeah after saying the first guy yeah. Like, he was already on talking about someone else. Uh, yeah, he was already acknowledging that there was another person in the situation. Yeah. Like, even... The guy got hurt, no matter what. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Yeah. So, I don't know how nobody heard about it. But the second theory um, is kind of believable as well. It's just that maybe he um, was walking on the side of the road, po- help, tried to help somebody. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe somebody needed help, or maybe he thought they did, and then maybe they were doing something illegal... An altercation broke out with Brandon that they didn't want him to see something. They chased him into the woods and tried to hurt him. However, there's also loose ends with that because the timing doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he pulled over because... He didn't pull over to help someone. He pulled over because he was out of gas. Yeah. So the timing doesn't make too much sense with that one. I'm not really sure about that. Now, the next theory kind of makes sense to me, too. <laughs> um, so Highway 277 turns into State Street eventually. Okay. So maybe what he was saying wasn't State Trooper. When he starts off, he does say State something yeah um maybe it was state street maybe that's where he was trying to get the location yeah and he does say just pulled some guys over now what i was assuming when i initially heard it was someone got pulled over whether it was by a cop whether it was by i don't know who Mm -hmm. someone got pulled over maybe he meant he pulled someone over maybe a passing motorist Mm -hmm. to help him uh maybe he flagged somebody down to help him and what that's probably also why he was saying we because he meant like whoever picked him up on the side of the road and then it could also explain why the thir- the second voice could be heard in the background as well. Mm-hmm. However, the problem with this theory is that it only leaves like one or two minutes for everything to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Like from when he pulled over to get help yeah. um, to call on the police. And that doesn't really make much sense to me. And also... I mean, I kind of don't hate that theory. I know. That's out of all of them, I'd say it's most plausible. State, like, and it becomes State Street and he's just trying to explain his location and that makes perfect sense. Like you said, the brother said that he wouldn't have said state trooper. He probably would have just said, like, cop. Exactly. So if he did say state, it makes sense if he's just trying to explain his location. And that would easily provide for what that second voice is. Because the second voice necessarily, I don't think, was a bad person. Because when the 911 operator asked if they needed an ambulance, the voice in the background sounded like it said yes. Yeah. So it was probably someone that was trying to help the two of them. So it would make sense if it was just a random guy that he tried to help, like, that tried to help him. Yeah, then why wouldn't he, like, tell Audrey on the phone? 
That's what's confusing me is that phone call. I don't know. <laughs> People thought maybe it wasn't just one motorist. Maybe it was a group of bikers. This was a popular route for bikers. Okay. Um, however, they thought the bikers could have seriously wounded Brandon, which is why he said he was hurt mm-hmm. or bleeding. However, wouldn't they take his phone and like dispose of the body? You know, that, that doesn't really make too much sense. To me, there would probably be a body found if some bikers or some motorists try to hurt him. Well, okay, so maybe... <laughs> maybe if he... If... Brandon's running away from this group of bikers. He might have just successfully gotten away from them, and mm-hmm. so he only was minorly hurt. They might have just been beating him up and didn't have the intentions of killing him True. just to attack him. Then why was he just watching? You know, it still doesn't make sense why he well, was Well, just- the bikers might have heard or seen the cop and the brother and the girlfriend come and flood. So now Brandon's hurt out in the field hmm. see the that that makes sense yeah i the, mean i know it's all a stretch but it's all a stretch because <laughs> nothing makes sense um the next theory is that maybe brandon killed somebody which i don't believe i think brandon i i don't know i feel that. so bad for his family for this theory but people think maybe he had no choice but to run away which is why like he was already in such a state of psychological distress from fighting with his girlfriend uh-huh. and maybe he got into a violent, a violent altercation mm-hmm. hurt somebody that could also make sense why the voice in the background says yeah they need an ambulance but brandon says no but also it doesn't make sense why he called why the cops he call the cops if he had not my theory <laughs> that one makes no sense at all it doesn't i know and also people back to the bike when people said they heard heavy metal music playing at the end i don't hear that i definitely didn't okay <laughs> i think these are just stretches because nobody knows what happened um and also nobody else was reported missing so if brandon did hurt someone someone would come exactly. looking this one, honestly, I believe two could have happened. Mm-hmm. One of them, I believe, uh, could be could have been human trafficking because he there was he did he was an oil field worker and um, he was working ninety five hours a week mm. at the time of his disappearance mm-hmm. for his family and other I don't know if it was the same oil field but in that area other people had gone missing um, who were oil field workers and they thought it was to for human trafficking for forced labor mm-hmm. that could have been it. But this one makes most sense to me, is that he was under the influence of drugs. Okay. So, maybe he was paranoid and hallucinated being chased. Like I said in the beginning, he had been jail. He had been in jail a few times on drug charges, but his loved ones all agree that he had been sober for a few years. Especially, like I said, because he was working 95 hours a week, it would kind of be hard yeah. uh, to do that and still be able to... I mean, you could still do it. But to it would be on drugs, at some point. it would affect his yeah, it would affect his work. However, I listened to interviews with Kyle, and he believes that he was under the influence of meth on the night of his disappearance. Kyle believes that. I mean, I will say, if he just got in a fight with his wife, he may be more inclined to do something like that. However, like, I don't think he was hallucinating all these people around him. If you can hear people in the background, true. If you could hear them, yeah. I think he could have hallucinated them, but the fact that you hear another voice doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, like, we all hear the other voice, so he could be hallucinating and imagining the scenario that him and the other person are in, but there's is another person. He's not imagining at least that. So Kyle was best friends with his brother, and he knew the signs that Brandon showed when he was high on meth. Although Kyle is almost certain that he had done meth at night, he said that Brandon never hallucinated when he was high. Mm -hmm. Um, And he believes that Brandon was actually being chased and running from someone. Uh, He was clean for a few years, but possibly the heated argument with Ladessa, Ladessa, I'm sorry, (laughs) influenced a relapse, potentially. 
I mean, he was planning on driving a few hours at midnight to his father, so clearly the fight wasn't just over something stupid. Yeah. It was something big. Yeah, it wasn't as minimal as uh, the girlfriend is making it out to be, I think. Yeah. I could also explain why he was hiding from Deputy Neil. He probably was just paranoid, mm-hmm. especially with the warrant for his arrest. Uh, now, maybe Brandon continued into the woods while high and cut up his arms and legs, and that's why he said he was bleeding. Like I said, Kyle doesn't, Kyle doesn't think he was stabbed or shot. He does mm-hmm. think he just cut himself. Um, he could have been running from animals and mistook them for people in his altered state of mind because there were wild hogs here. Mm-hmm. And I heard of a story where this couple passed away. Um, they froze. I, be- I don't know this story as well. Yeah, I believe right. they froze to death because they, were, they said that the people that they were trying to help never came back, but then they found out that they were talking to cows because they were on meth. Mm. They thought they were people. Mm -hmm. So that's not that crazy to me. Um, And it was 100 degrees, or 102 degrees, it was very hot there during the daytime, so he could have succumbed to the heat. However, no body was found, and the cadaver dogs didn't pick up anything. Mm -hmm. So I think if he was high, he would have died in the woods that night. Yeah. Those are all the theories. (laughs) I think think there is a decent chance that he was high, but I don't think... I still think something was going on. I don't think he was just running because he was high and he was imagining these things and that kind of stuff. I don't think that. I mean, it is possible that he was high, but I think ultimately that wasn't like the main factor in him disappearing. I mean, those are all the theories. That's all anyone has. Now, the timing is a little weird and somebody bought this up. From his home to the um, Stripes convenience store where he was going to go get gas, Mm -hmm. it was only supposed to take 20 minutes. However, he made his first call. Well, his his truck was ditched 4.5 miles south of Bront, and it took him 40... Well, his his call was made 41 minutes after he left. Mm. So there's like a 20, 25-minute gap where they don't know really where he was. Something was probably happening. Yeah, but... It, it doesn't make sense because he called the police like way after something would have happened it feels like yeah well maybe it was something like someone noticed him or he pulled over someone because of the situation that was going on with his car so maybe he was just communicating or talking to that person maybe. for that period of time yeah also the other thing we were thinking of is oh that when audrey uh was on the phone with brandon I feel like if the thought process was that he was hiding because of the warrants, then they could have just been saying, like, oh, like, just stay in the woods for now. (laughs) As soon as the cop is gone, we'll come back and get you. Yeah, like, just her and Kyle, right? Yeah. Because then he would have came out and explained. Yeah. Especially because he could definitely see them. So it was Uh close by. So they could have come back and then he came out. And now this is not me putting any blame on Audrey or Kyle it's more of me thinking that the warrant isn't necessarily the reason why he's hiding out yeah I mean I'm sorry about this episode's really chaotic but it's just (laughs) it's all theories because there's no facts in this case yeah there's no definitive things yeah to me each theory there is very solid evidence that discredits it but then at some point there has to be a for real theory and I don't know which one it is at all (laughs) yeah there's no for real theory um, now, I will say, I feel really badly for the family. Mm. Uh, law enforcement are not treating the family with respect, and they are treating Brandon like like a druggie who doesn't mm-hmm. really deserve the time of day. Um, so much that they, they didn't even give Ladessa Brandon's 911 call until four to five months after his disappearance. Oh. So they could have, like, people were thinking they could have edited it or something. Mm. Um, 
They also won't treat it as a missing persons case and assumes that Brandon ran away to be with another woman. I know. Right. However, Brandon was with Ledessa for 10 years, and he was planning on marrying her in the next year. Yeah. And he also said that his kids saved him, so he, he wouldn't just leave them behind. Uh-huh. And his brother, Kyle, says that Brandon was his best friend and would never leave him and their dad behind. Mm-hmm. So the family continues to hold vigils, fundraisers, and events in honor of Brandon in hopes of keeping his name out there so that this case is not forgotten, since authorities obviously pushed it under the rug. Yeah, I don't think he would have just ran away, especially because if he had been sober for however many years, uh, his girlfriend and his kids were probably a decent reason why that was the case. So exactly. I don't think he would just abandon them. But yeah, that's literally all we have for this case. Um, it was very, it was very chaotic, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it, it, honestly, half of them are. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, guys, so for my half of the episode today, we're going to be talking about not Scientology as a whole, but specifically Shelley Miscavige and how she's being hidden, definitely, and people haven't seen her in the public since 2007. Huh. So I'm just going to give a little background of Scientology, just so that anybody that has never heard of it or doesn't understand why people have suspicions about that church as a whole... Uh, so, Scientology was developed by L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, it is a religion, and this is me quoting it from the website themselves. Scientology is a religion that offers a precise path leading to a complete and certain understanding of one's true spiritual nature and one's relationship to self, family, groups, mankind, all life forms, the material universe, the spiritual universe, and the supreme being. Okay. So, basically, Scientologists believe that a human is immortal. Uh, basically, that a we just live in a physical body, but we're all spiritual beings that have infinite lives. Um, you have an infinite number of past lives. A lot of people think, associate Scientology with the belief in extraterrestrial life. Uh, right. That's, <laughs> like, I feel like a lot of people know it as that. Where that comes from is that your soul that they believe that you've had past lives in mean like it doesn't necessarily mean that your life started on earth that before earth was a thing your soul was living outside of earth okay that makes sense yeah so and so why is this bad well (laughs) sorry just don't know that to me so the beliefs if you just look at them on surface level are not necessarily bad ideas yeah some of them are honestly kind of good ideas but it's more of the church itself and the people that run it and how it came about that make okay. it bad rather than the belief system itself. Wait, I don't know if I'm thinking of something different, but is this the ones where they aren't allowed to have shots and, like, medicine? No, that's... Okay, uh, okay. I don't remember what it's called. It's Christian something. Okay. That is that one. That's the one that Ellen DeGeneres was yeah. born in. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one that it's like, you don't believe in doctors, and then if you get sick, it's God will that you're sick, so you have to stay sick, basically. Okay. I thought it was that for some reason. Mm-mm. But, so it's more the shady business like, dealings of Scientology than the core beliefs of the religion itself. Um, it has, the religion itself, it started more of, Hubbard is more of a businessman, the guy, well, he's no longer around, but (laughs) the guy that started it, 
uh, is more of a businessman and was had failed it, like endeavors before Scientology. So you can tell that the religion was developed basically just out of his science fantasy like thoughts that he just created this religion based off of that and hopes to make like an epicenter of Hollywood. He was very much obsessed with fame and living a Hollywood kind of lifestyle. And I think that he just saw this as his end to do that. Oh, wait, so the guy whose wife is missing is dead? No, the guy who's... This is the creator. creator the creator of Scientology is not the guy that is currently in charge of Scientology. All right, that makes sense. The wife that we're going to get into, they... He is the current head of Scientology. Okay. So, um... Yeah, so that's the basic beliefs of it. They have a bunch of different dynamics that they believe in, which are basically, I would say the equivalent of it is like the Ten Commandments. It's not duties that you need to follow and like rules that you can't break. It's more of a, these are the eight things that humans strive to do and the things that make people people. Okay. So yeah, that's the basics of what Scientology is. So, like I said, the religion itself might not necessarily be bad. However, the people in it kind of are. There's a lot of allegations of abuse that have come out of it. There's a lot of uh, misogyny and sexism that have come out of it. There's just a lot of bad things that have come out of the maybe not necessarily bad religion, but it's been used as a way to do bad things. That's like with all religions when you think about it. A hundred percent. thousand percent. Every religion, even if the thoughts itself are nice, if you get the wrong person in control of it, it can be abused. So, uh, Shelley herself, she was born on January 18th, 1961. Her uh, mother is Mary Florence, known as Flo uh, Barnett. Uh, she was a li- like a longtime Scientologist. Um, so was her father. So... I'm going to get into her father's name, by the way, is Maurice. <laughs> I forgot to say his name. Um, so before, again, I get into Shelley, the death of her mother is a very funky and suspicious case that is worth mentioning. So Flo Barnett, um, she was found dead on September 8th, 1985. Uh, she was 52 years old. She was found dead with three rifle shots to the chest and one fatal shot to the head. Um, the autopsy also found that there were slash marks on her wrists that have would have been a few days old at the time of her actual death. Hmm. So, uh, ultimately, her death was ruled a suicide. Okay. Um, however, it is worth mentioning that the this is a rifle rifle that I'm talking about. So it's a long barrel. Oh. It's heavy, and she was five foot three and only weighed one hundred and fourteen pounds. How'd she shoot herself in the chest? I'd get the head, but the chest, like, yeah, three shots in the chest and then mm-hmm. the head. It's kind so of- they were able. Investigators claim that they were able to reenact how she would have been able to do it. So I guess it is technically possible. However, it is a very to me when I looked at pictures of what the rifle would have looked like. I don't even know how our arms <laughs> were able to keep that together and have it on our chest. Uh, they are assuming she was just, like, laying down on her bed kind of thing, so you're able to, like, just hold it against you. But to me, if she was able to successfully shoot herself three times in the chest, I don't know how she would have possibly had the strength to mm-hmm. shoot herself in the head. Because the head shot, they said, 100% is what killed her. Um, they said that the way that 
just when they looked into how the shot would have happened, that it would have been an instantly fatal shot. So that does mean that she was able to shoot herself three times in the chest before she shot herself in the head. Hmm. Which, I mean, I guess the police have stated that it's, <laughs> that it's possible and that it was a suicide. And I do kind of believe that it's possible. However, just with the history of Scientology, it does make anything that they do a little more suspicious. Um, they also, I mean, the fact that she did have slit wrists uh, does kind of show that she might have possibly did have suicidal tendencies beforehand. So that definitely didn't, I don't want to say help her case, but it kind of led the police to come to the conclusion that it would have been a suicide. And like I said, they would have been a couple of days old. So she might've been in a depressive state yeah. at that point in time. Um, so yeah, like I said, they were done days before. Um, they were done in a way that like i don't want to get too graphic or anything like that and we'll give a little warning before i talk about this too much but the cuts were done in a way that it did seem like she was trying to take her life at the point of the cuts and then the suicide themselves happened a couple days later so um this all happened um relatively when shelly would have been younger not too young she was born in 61 and this happened in 85 but still still earlier in someone's life than most would expect yeah like 25 Um, yeah so it is worth mentioning however that at the time of her death flo had kind of stopped practicing scientology in fact she was kind of starting to follow a like enemy religion Hmm. So that is worth mentioning. Yeah, <laughs> Not that I want to make any theories about it or accuse anyone, but she was definitely did not have good relationships, especially with David at that point in time. So her son-in-law, David and Shelly, just so I make sure I get it. David is Shelly's husband. Okay. So at the time, David and Shelly had already been married at the time of, Flo's and he, death. was he already the head of he already had a prominent a like position okay. in scientology he wasn't necessarily the guy in charge still but he was a prominent member of the religion huh. so it is worth mentioning that that she was seen as kind of like a de facto member at that point and that no one in scientology liked her at that point even her daughter did not have good relations with her and even not necessarily that they hated each other but she definitely fell in line with her husband the same feelings that she became an enemy by following along with the other religion so that's just worth mentioning (laughs) so now i'm gonna get into how shelly and david kind of came about so when Scientology was earlier on. It had a group called the Sea Org Group. So basically, Ron Hubbard, the guy that began Scientology, uh, he he ran it basically out of his like ship, <laughs> and he had a bunch of younger, especially people that were very devoted to him, people ran the ship basically and just ran the religion with him okay and they were part of that the two david and shelly were both those people shelly was significantly younger than most of the other people on board um when from the age of 12 she was uh kind of a member of this organization and uh 
when she was in her late teens, early 20s, is when she was on, like... The ship? Yeah, and was, like, specifically helping Hubbard. Okay. So, um, she met... Well, so, they got married, David and Shelley, when Shelley was 21 and David was 22. So, it was an early marriage. She... It does kind of become apparent as time goes on that the having that early marriage did kind of have a toll on her and she didn't really love that while she was on ship a lot of people that worked with her at the time mentioned how she was kind of an innocent quieter person compared to everybody else that worked on the ship however she was very very loyal and faithful to hubbard and kind of was anything that he was going to say she was behind it and she accredited a lot of her faith to him so David ends up becoming chairman of the board for Scientology. Um, Shelley, like, um, she might have been a quiet person, but like I said, she was heavily involved in the religion and the operations of it. So they basically made a new position for her. So she became the chairman of the board's assistant. Uh, however, this relationship between David and Shelley kind of made their marriage into a almost boss and employee relationship. So that's not good. Definitely not. Um, David, I will, I do want to mention quickly that David and Hubbard, they were very different personalities. Um, Hubbard, I don't, I don't know the guy, (laughs) but he, there are allegations that he was kind of a creepy guy. Um, reports of just what the younger employees or people that, they're not really employees or people that follow the religion what they had to wear and things like that are kind of he had like girls that were wearing suggestive clothing at his beck and call when he hmm. needed something on the ship so he might not have been as upfront about his intentions but like like i said he was just a guy that was looking to be famous so it's kind of goes along that line um david however is known to be kind of a crude person um he he's he's from the east coast so i don't want to say that east coast is just more like upfront and like whatever but you know what i mean like yeah. he is kind of rude he does kind of have no problem giving personal insults to people and just says what it's on his mind kind of thing so I like that well not really <laughs> but you know what i mean he gives off that more kind of vibe okay. so they both him and hubbard both kind of have the same intentions behind what they do but have are very different people personality-wise. Right, that makes sense. So, with David being a more upfront and kind of in-demand and demanding just boss, um, all of his employees had kind of a... He had a much more superior vibe to his employees compared to everybody else. So that, be, with being your right-hand man, being your wife, is just a recipe for your marriage to not go well either. <laughs> um, so... David did kind of give off the a little creepy vibe. So, I mean, I don't want to say that this man is still alive, but like, you know, Scientology don't come after me. But <laughs> so as the years went on, people began to notice that Shelley started to begin obsessing over like what she looked like, her hair, her weight, her diet, that kind of thing, just to kind of people kind of gave the vibe off that she was trying to be perfect for David or that either that or it might not have been her that wanted to do it it might have been David that was demanding that her act that way um she had worsening relationships continuously with other female colleagues that worked in Scientology so she kind of her entire life began to focus just around Scientology and David himself 
Um, so as I said, she was the assistant. Um, there was one project, uh, that David was continuously working on. It's, I'm not going to get into the details of it, but it was something, a project that several people before Shelly had tried to accomplish and nobody had succeeded. So Shelly ended up becoming in charge of it. Um, however, like everyone before her, um, she did ultimately fail and that really became a tipping point in her and David's relationships. Um, well, at least other people noticed that their relationship became strained after that. Um, I will say also, I want to mention in case anyone doesn't know who Leah Remini is before her name comes up a lot. She is an actress from King of Queens. I like her a lot. I think she's funny. funny. (laughs) J-Lo's best friend. (laughs) She's funny. So she used to be a member of Scientology. She has since obviously not a member of Scientology and she's very much viewed as an enemy to that church because she has called out a lot of the things that Scientology has done and continues to do. And she's still, she's written books about it. She's helped make documentaries on it. So she's definitely outspoken about being against Scientology. Though in case you don't know who she is before her name comes up because her name will continue to come up. So anyway, um, people began to notice that she wasn't around as much after that project failed. So like I said, this happened close to when her disappearance would have been um, around 2006 and 2007. So in 2006, uh, David took a kind of left Scientology's base for a little bit of time. It wasn't for anything crazy and people knew that he was leaving for a little bit. Um, Upon her return, uh, people noticed that Shelley was a visibly very changed person. Um, Her mood was just very low and like I guess cowardly would be a good word for it um and she was just visibly kind of shaken and withdrawn compared to how she had been beforehand um so wait does yeah. she she went away for a little bit or David went away no David did okay so that happened in 2006 um she someone claims that uh she had asked it was a chief spokesperson for the church at the time she had asked him that if her husband was still wearing his wedding ring um, so clearly something was going on between the two of them. Mm. Um, so sh- shortly afterwards, uh, in June 2006, she no longer made appearances in public. And in August 2007, um, since then, she has never, like a photograph of her, nothing has appeared in the public since August 2007. And are they still together? They claim to like, be. Like allegedly? They claim to be. Huh. That's weird. Yeah. So... A lot. So, like I said, 2007 at this point is a very long time ago. Um, There have been a couple of missing persons cases filed against her. One of those, including from Leah Remini. So. Oh shit! Really? Yeah. So she, (laughs) so she basically filed a missing persons case shortly after, um, like she became disaffiliated with the church. Um, Did she know them, or did she just? think like did she yeah. just file a missing persons case because she knew something mm-hmm. was up. so when leah remini at the time even when she left i believe but even while she was at uh, like the church she was a decently prominent member oh shit i didn't know yeah. that i thought she, she just kind of was in it no it's not like she was just like you know like she practiced it and like believed in it and that was it like it seems to be that if you're involved in Scientology, especially if you're located in LA, like where the head base for Scientology is, that you are going to have business dealings and be very, very heavily involved with them. Hmm. Especially if you're a celebrity, because 
if you think about it, a lot of the celebrities that have been associated with Scientology, like Leah Remini, like Will Smith, like Tom Cruise, these are really big names and names that most people have positive public relations views of. So you're really the face of Scientology if you're a celebrity in LA that has to do with it. So you're going to have high dealings and mm. Scientology is going to put a lot of business into you. Because like I said, this whole thing started basically uh, from a guy just wanting to make it, you know. So yeah, she had a decent sized role in the church. She wasn't as big as like Tom Cruise was, but still had a decent size in it. Is Tom Cruise still in it? Side note? Yes. Okay, I, I thought that's what I thought. Yeah, there's a lot. I can go. I actually do want to mention him very quickly because uh, Shelly was a little bit involved with Tom Cruise and his marriage to Katie Holmes. Um, after Tom Cruise had his first divorce, basically the rumor is that Shelly was the head person in charge of kind of auditioning girls to become Tom Cruise's next wife. It's weird. The rumor is that there is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of girls that tried out basically to be his wife at the time. And most of the people that came in believed that they were just auditioning for Mission Impossible and did not know that they were auditioning to be Tom Cruise's wife. Um, That's sketchy. Yeah. So the rumor is that Scientology executives have always set up Tom Cruise with his people, basically. And they eventually can ended up, obviously, he ended up marrying Katie Holmes and the rest from there. And they've since been divorced. And Katie Holmes had to go through a lot to make sure that she still has custody of the daughter and the whole thing. So there's a whole thing with that. But yeah, so Shelly is supposedly one of the people that was the most heavily involved with finding Tom Cruise's second wife, basically. Um is that guy's so crazy just google tom cruise and scientology and there are so many wild stories about him that it's hilarious it's kind of funny (laughs) you should do an episode on him i honestly probably will yeah because just the shenanigans (laughs) that he and scientology have pulled together is crazy so like i said uh missing person reports have been filed in la concerning shelly um at least two reports have been filed that are public knowledge. Um, Leah Remini's was in August of 2013. Um, however, uh, the detective on the case, this is verbatim what he said. He said the LAPD has classified the report as unfounded, indicating that Shelley is not missing. Hmm. Um, they claimed that in August 3rd, 2013, when the report was filed, that they had located and spoke with Shelley following the case being filed so has anybody requested her to make a public appearance and she just declined it so like you know what i mean yeah to see if she's actually missing so i'm sure i mean like uh david is openly okay with doing interviews and speaking to the public and things like that so it's not like scientology and the leaders of it are hidden from the public um most people kind of fall back onto that she just enjoys living a secluded life that seems to be the default answer from people that it is her choice that she does not want to be in the public. It has nothing to do with David wanting her to be hidden. It has nothing to do with that. She just doesn't enjoy being in the public. Has he talked about that in interviews? Yeah. Himself and, well, himself and other leaders in the church have said that that excuse for why she hasn't been in the public. He himself, however, it is well known that it, the quote I've heard, I believe it's a quote, but somebody said that was high up in the church that the closer you are to David, the harder you fall if you go against him, basically. Mm. So yeah, so if they were having a bad relationship and she either 
didn't follow, didn't want to follow. Well, no, she wanted to follow the church because like I said, her main thing was that she believed in Hubbard and liked the religion itself. But if she was disobeying David, then that's why he might've put her away in case she ever did anything. Um, and if you ask David about Shelley and you're a member of the church, you get a lot of backlash. Leah Remini has stated that while she was still a member of the church, that actually at Tom Cruise's wedding, because Shelley wasn't there, hmm. she, Leah was like, where's Shelley? <laughs> and she got in a lot of trouble for asking any time that she asked about it. She got in serious issues with the church itself for doing that. Um, yeah, but like I said, the police have indicated that they have either spoken to Shelley or that she is not a missing person. However, I think it's worth mentioning just the f- stronghold that Scientology might have on Hollywood and LA. Uh, they're honestly, to me, from an outside appearance, seem just as much a business as much as they do a religion. So if they are that wealthy, I don't think it would be that hard for them to cover it up. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. So personally, I don't think that Shelley is dead. A lot of people do believe that. I don't blame people for believing that because it is very suspicious, especially because she had such a public like representation of Scientology beforehand. So it is weird as much as she was shy when she was younger. She was such a face. Like she was basically known as the first lady of Scientology. It would be, it's very weird to me that suddenly she just wasn't anymore, whether she wants to live a secluded life or not. So basically what I think it is, is that Scientology has a lot of kind of smaller outposts and bases around the country that are only able to be visited by about a dozen people so what i think is that she's on one of those bases and i don't know if she's hidden there or if it's out of choice i think she's being hidden there if i'm gonna be honest but it might be out of choice but i think she's being forced to stay at one of these bases and that's where she's been since 2007 and maybe those dozen people that can actually go there are the people that are providing her with meals providing her with what she needs anything like that that's what i think she's at (laughs) um i don't think she's dead i feel like somebody would have slipped up at some point yeah i don't think she's dead actually died and then maybe it is possible that ellie had just met with her in this secluded little outpost that was possible um like i said they have many outposts um where they keep a lot of like precious things and a lot of their secret operations happen there there's these can be found in California, New Mexico. Um, they're building another base in Wyoming. So yeah, there's a lot of places that she would be able to stay. The leading theory is that uh, she's on a base located near Lake Arrowhead, which is about 90 minutes from LA. It's roughly a 500 acre site. Uh, it's known as Twin Peaks. Um, and that's seems to be the overarching where she probably is. And that's where I think she is. Hmm. Interesting. But I think she's being forced there. Yeah, I think so too. I think it is a missing persons, I, technically. Yeah. Um, And she's being forced there, but I don't think she's dead either. Yeah. I think that... I don't know. I just think with everything that probably happened to her mother, as much as she was in line with her husband, I think she probably... That kind of isn't always in the back of her mind. I think that David... I think David's a bad person, Sorry, David. I think he was a bad person. So I think that he just... 
whether physically or emotionally abused her for so long that it got to the point that she was just not going to be able to present herself in public how David wanted her to present herself. So he basically probably said, well, now I can't have you in the public is what I think happened. And it seems to be, I think the craziest part of all of this is that Shelly is so easily the person that could shut down Scientology if she ever wanted to. So if she is being hidden against her will, like at some point if she ever came out and was against Scientology, she could close the whole thing down because she's going to know something that, no, like she's going to know where everything is. Yeah, she should team up with uh, Leah. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> like if she, I think, I think Scientology is like, super creepy i think they probably have killed people i think they've like she can point to where those people are she can kind of confirm any rumors she can deny any rumors whatever but she really could be the person that stops it all so hopefully one day she does make a public appearance um and yeah i because she was such a public figure so i think at some point she's gonna make it all right, and that's all we have for you this week, folks. Catch us every week for Freaky Friday with the Queens of Queens. Bye, Queens.